0: overthinking it podcast episode 26 what's up welcome back to the overthinking it podcast the show from www.overthinkingit.com that subjects the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve it is matt rather as ever and i am from uh i am here in california coming at you uh for the holidays happy holidays happy holidays to mr fenzel
1: kick the tires not the fires big
0: daddy i just want to get up there whoopee tease ass is all
2: that's excellent I'm good.
1: How,
0: how you doing Matt? merry christmas <laughs> merry christmas to you too uh, <laughs> Well, th- enthusiasm. I mean, maybe we should talk about this later, because we are all three actually. Every- and Mr. Lee is here as well.
2: Hi. I mean, how's y- how are you doing? What's going on? And you I can always get us Mark.
0: at podcast at <laughs> overthinking it dot com or uh, call us at 20 eat log zero one. That's two zero three two eight five six four zero one. Uh, thanks to everyone who's left great comments on iTunes. It's really, really nice to see the – to hear the nice things that people say about this thing. Um, we're very self-deprecating about the podcast when we talk to ourselves about it because, you know, we assume that uh, – well, Penzo, no- You suck. You suck, Fenzel. Why are you so bad at podcasting? Oh, ow, my God. Ow. Ow. <laughs> ow. God, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. I um, purify my podcasting powers with self-flagellation like Benedictine Monk. But we um but you know what it's really oh, gratifying oh. to hear people saying such nice things about it. So thank you to everyone. All right, so some people did call or person Woo. anyway did call this time. So here is uh our first voicemail in what I hope will become our regular listener feedback section.
1: Hi, Overthinkers. This is Gab from Las Vegas slash
3: Walla Walla, depending on the time of year. I'm currently in Vegas right now, home for the holidays. Given the slight exchange between myself and Mr. Fenzel on the previous podcast, I'm curious about the nature of the pun and what makes a pun versus a bad joke or a, you know, pun. And why is one person's pun another person's pain? Uh, feel free to air this if you like, and
1: happy holidays. Bye. I have no idea what she's talking about. I have had no such exchange with anyone.
0: Well, uh, maybe the second voicemail left ten seconds after the first. can shed some light on this. Hi,
3: Gav again. Um, by Fenzel, I meant rather in my
1: previous <laughs> message, and I realized the mistake as I was talking. Epic fail.
0: Bye. <laughs> We're alike in a lot of respects. That's true. We're both terribly pretentious. Uh (laughs) I prefer to look at it as wonderfully pretentious.
2: (laughs) Gab, that wasn't so much an epic fail as a, let's say, a minor um, periodical fail, perhaps.
0: That's Uh, uh... awesome. Yeah, Gab, Gab is great. Well, right, yeah, for Gab's one it. of our one of our biggest fans on the on the site. You can see her in the comments threads, and, and it was actually in the comments thread that she and I had that uh, had that exchange. Uh, I pointed out that I was making a joke when I referred to irony uh, in the last podcast, irony as the time that Oedipus stabbed himself in the ear. Now, I it should be said that I stole that joke. <laughs> From Fenzel, who said it before we started rolling. (laughs) So, in fact, maybe she was having a Maybe she intuited that in something about the wittiness of the joke. Uh, I often
1: feel like Gab doesn't like my
0: sense of humor very much.
1: Uh, I I, I don't know. It's a pretty it's a pretty zonky joke. It's a pretty it's a pretty silly pun.
2: Was there confusion (laughs) over the fact that 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 was a joke? Well, no, I,
0: no. apparently she got it. She just didn't think it was funny. Oh, okay. Right. Gotcha. Which, you know, that's always nice. Well, my mantra for these things is, hey, they can't all be winners. Right, exactly. And I, throw... I,
1: I say that a lot in, like, casual conversation when I'm, like, because I do improv, so like, I I'm get in these moods where I just make jokes after jokes after jokes. And they often just sort of fall flat. And I go, hey, they can't all be winners. You throw a lot of darts. I do. Well, you know what? Um, one of my buddies used to say about one of my other buddies, uh, and this is my buddy JP about my buddy John. And you both know John, and you might both know JP. Um, but he said that the thing that he always respected about John is that he swung at every pitch. You know, <laughs> like, he, he wasn't always going to be hitting the ball out of the park, but he took a good, solid cut at every pitch that came his way. And that, that earned respect. And I and I, I respect that, and I have tried to live up to that example to the best of my ability.
0: It's hard, though, John, because, uh, you know, John really does swing at every pitch. And John is awesome. John is, of course, one of my favorite people in the whole world. As is JP. As
1: are people on this podcast. I mean, this is just this is a Christmas miracle. Is what this is, as uh, is, full of, of sweetness and light. As a goose get the big fat goose. Let's cut it up and let's serve it to Tiny Tim. Because this is, I feel all warm and Christmassy inside right now.
0: As is as is Gab, one of our one of That's our favorite true. one of our favorite people. And thank you, Gab, for calling in to the podcast. Okay, so what's the difference between a pun and a bad joke? Well, there are all kinds of bad jokes, but a pun in the Venn diagram. Uh, bad jokes is the big circle and pun is the smaller circle contained entire... Well, depending on your opinion, either contained entirely in the circle of bad jokes or else peeking a tiny edge out of the circle of bad jokes. Mm -hmm. It either looks like a circle or else like a yeast
2: bleb reproducing. I should also point out that in that Venn diagram inside the circle that is the pun yeah. is another smaller circle which is New York Post headlines.
1: Yes, I was going to make the same comment. The New York Post, and there's a little bit of the New York Post as an institution that is slightly outside of the bad joke circle. Yeah, 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 also, but it mostly has to do with its printing. A little bit. And has to do with like the logistics and accounting for actually running the newspaper. Most of the writing is actually bad bad jokes and puns. true. Uh, that is, is, is really true.
0: remarkable. I think From there's some heard- there's some great puns though on the cover of the New York Post. That is there are the others. Worst- oh, oh my god. Do you remember the
1: worst New York Post headline slash like most horrific slash wonderful terrible pun ever, right? Which was when yeah. Ike Turner died. Do you remember this?
2: No, no no no.
1: Oh my God. So yeah. Ike Turner died and the next day the front page of the New York Post said Ike beats Tina to death.
2: Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <Man>. Oh. <laughs>
1: that, was, that was horrific. Oh. It was the most horrific, ridiculous, over the top. Hey, you know what's really funny? funny?
0: Spousal abuse. <laughs>
1: it just cracks me up every time. Well, I mean, Nerdpost, I mean, come on. In Rupert Murdoch's empire, you know, one way or the other, they, never, they, they don't have too much of a soft spot in them for too much anybody. Um,. Wow. But I know. I mean, I don't know. I guess. Yeah, that's a good question. Why do people people keep making puns if people keep professing that they don't like them, unless there's something slightly disingenuous about the not liking of puns? Well, I think not deriving any pleasure out of it.
0: You know, here I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people purport to dislike things that, in fact, they harbor a guilty pleasure for. Mm-hmm.
1: Or at least it's really, in, how you know,
0: most of our dating lives work. I think this is from Wikipedia okay. now. A pun. Or a paranomasia Ooh, okay. is a phrase that deliberately exploits confusion between similar-sounding words for humorous or rhetorical effect. For example, the, in the sentence, atheism is a non-profit institution, oh. the pun lies <laughs> in the substitution of profit for the similar-sounding word profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, in the common phrase non Now, here's the thing about that: that joke also works by uh, insinuating that all religions care about is money, you know. So that that's how that that's how that works. We're we're joined midstream now by Belinky. What's going on, Matt? Uh, What's
3: going on, everybody?
0: We're we're uh, we're in the middle we're in the middle of it. So uh, pick up as you pick up as you can. And hey, go on mute till you sort yourself out there.
3: Uh, Absolutely. I I bet you're glad I joined up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would say one important factor on the success of puns.
1: Yeah. I would say one one factor on the success of puns is that you don't want the pun to just sort of drop right on the I would say right on the downbeat. To use like kind of a euphemism. You want you want something else to be going on either rhythmically or semantically in the sentence so that there's something to sort of distract you a little bit from the pun that you're going to make. Um, And and I think that the puns that really get people to groan, and maybe I'm wrong, and I challenge you, of course, to offer all kinds of examples, um, the puns that really make people groan are the ones where you make the wordplay and you just sort of throw it out there and land it really strongly on its own and don't give any sort of – Structural context for the pun to slide into the
0: language. Right. Here's I mean, one. Still... Here's one. For example, people who make puns should be punished. Oh, Gosh. Do you have to
3: say it in that tone of voice? Is that part of the appeal of the pun?
0: Well, I think that that's. I think I'm trying to emphasize the. I mean, does a does the pun have any appeal in the first place? But I I was trying to emphasize that you know it's a terrible pun and there's nothing going on in that sentence other than you know the 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 um homophony of pun and the first syllable of punished
3: what do you guys think about uh, like puns in movie titles like a maid of honor or goodwill hunting or are those even puns well goodwill hunting what?
0: is not necessarily it's not necessarily a pun
3: it's just word of play
0: sort of yeah I mean yeah, we were you know, talking
2: that- about
0: we were talking about the Venn diagram before with bad jokes being a big circle and puns being a smaller circle with a little bleb sticking out because there, there is the occasional good pun. But of word – you know, the that smaller circle is entirely contained in a larger circle uh, of wordplay, which intersects the bad joke circle about half and half, right?
1: Uh,
3: yeah, I mean I'll, I'll go with that. I'm sure that, like, yeah. somebody is currently Photoshopping this to go along with the post that we put this podcast on, right? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> get get Oliver to work drawing in crayon. <laughs>
3: yeah, did definitely. He
1: a, did he have a good Hanukkah?
3: He definitely did. He's in a train phase, so all his gifts were train-related. That like I spent most of the morning assembling various uh, Byzantine configurations of train track with him that just went around in endless spirals and circles. That's around the
2: living room. Belenke, I want to thank you for encouraging your child to take public transportation into the future.
3: Definitely, although, although the kind of trains that he really likes are the antiquated steam, the polluting steam trains of Thomas the Tank Engine. Huh, that huh. he really, I don't think he approves of electric trains at all. He feels like, like trains should burn coal. That's he like should one burn, of the, yeah.
0: He, well, yeah. They, they should burn clean coal. Explain to him that they should use clean coal. I don't think there is such a thing as clean coal. No, it's just another word for <laughs> coal. <laughs>
3: But, like, it must People mean something – like the coal industry says clean coal, they mean something more specific. Once again, to use the Venn diagram, that clean coal is a little circle inside coal being a larger circle.
0: Right. Exactly. Right? Well, OK. But I don't so, know what they mean. Anyway. So here Wikipedia says that, that puns work by homophony, that is uh, same sounds, uh, homography, which is uh, uh, same writing, Uh uh, homonymy or homonymy, um, same words. Uh, polysemy, which is many meanings or metaphor. So to pun is to treat homonyms as synonyms, synonyms in other in other words.
1: Well, not uh, necessarily. Sorry. Well, I mean you can play off hom- you know homonymy, <laughs> homonymy, homonymity um, without treating them as meaning the same. It's just to, it's just a transposition a lot of the time, right? Like, you make a deliberate transposition. You're not saying the word is equal. The word still feels unequal, and that's why it's a pun and recognized as such. I would think, right? I mean, you're not saying, like, if I were to say that, like, um, uh, gosh, what's a great example of a pun? (laughs) Um, If I would say, like, why did the chicken cross the road? And someone said get to the other slide. The play I don't know. Is that even a pun? I don't even know what's going on. Someone talk to you a pun. Someone give an me an Why did the chicken cross the
3: playground to get to the other slide? Is that yeah? Is that what a pun
1: you- or is that just a is that a witticism? Uh, yeah. I do not
3: go as far as witticism, but <laughs> something.
1: <laughs> it's <pretty> a <laughs> rhyme. Pretty awesome. It makes
0: children laugh. But then again, yeah. So I mean, <laughs>
3: that's, well, that's, that's take- been killing them in, in, in uh in playgrounds for decades now, right?
0: That's what. so like why so Gab's example, which was why is one person's pun another person's pain? Right, well, is one person not is
1: telling it the other person is listening to it. I guess so.
0: <laughs> but it's you know, the slant rhyme between pun and pain, uh I, I'm not sure that actually qualifies even as a as a pun. Well, if I'm, you I'm mean, trying to
3: I'm trying to come up with a um like a like an example like a literary example of like a pun. What about uh the what, what was it Dorothy Parker who was uh, you could lead a horticulture but you can't make her think. <laughs>
1: is that a yeah, that's is that a bit of gardening? <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> but, that's... but I told you that one doesn't land right on the on the nose. It gives you a little bit of a fake out. Makes you think that it's about gardening.
0: Well, I guess, I uh, mean, I guess so, because insofar as it's a pun, it's a pun on something that's totally irrelevant to the rest of the witticism. Or, or just
1: simply, like, askance or parallel.
0: Uh, the word pun has been used in English since at least the 16th century. It is thought to be a uh, contraction, originally, of the now archaic word pun-digrion, uh, which I don't even... Believe it. I, you know there was a back formation of uh, not a back formation, a folk etymology uh, that was pun stands for play on words, except like play un words, <laughs> which
2: is a pun. Hey, Matt, are you still reading from the Wikipedia article? Yes. Yeah, I, sh- I should have told you this. I wrote the whole thing like the thirty minutes before the podcast. <laughs> oh, <damn it. laughs> Sorry. Did you make up the word homographic? <laughs> if it's on Wikipedia, yeah, I sure did.
1: Go down to the sources; it just says "poop" a whole bunch of times. That's how you know that it's not real. <laughs> is
3: anybody on this? Uh, is anybody on the podcast familiar with the the work of the, the late uh, Big Pun,
1: mm. the rapper? I wish I could bring Pun back. Bitch, run that. I, I believe Bitch, I man. believe
3: that 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 in that case, Big Pun is, is just short for Big Punisher, and it was not meant to refer to like his wordplay. But I was just curious if Big Pun was
0: known for his use of the pun. Well, is Big mm. Pun itself a, f- a pun on Big Fun, which was, wasn't that the, the band in Heathers that had the <laughs> fictitious song, Teenage Suicide, Don't Do It? Well, I can almost guarantee you Big Pun was not referencing Heather.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, died, he died young at age 28, but not of like a gang-related shooting. He died of a fatal heart attack due to morbid obesity. So the Big is not uh, meant to be a pun in any of it. The Big is just a description of him. Yeah. Uh, so so that, that just leaves us with the pun, which I believe is actually short for Punisher. But I was just kind of curious because you see so few pun-related uh, um, monikers in popular culture.
1: More
0: pun-related
1: monocles. Right. No, that's, not a pun. <laughs> yeah. that's not a pun at all. It's right. terrible. I feel like we've that's I feel awful. like
0: we've we beat this to death and want to move on. Gab, I hope that provides you some uh, I hope that provides you some relief. Now, Gab also wrote in with some. Questions, but we'll get to those another time because um, we need to. We have Nazis to talk about. We have to talk about Nazis. We yeah. We need to move on. I'll just mention that uh, Mike from LA also wrote back. Thanks, Mike, for writing back, uh, and he said that his latitude is. Uh, oh wait, no. I should say his longitude. No, latitude is 34.07 degrees north, and his longitude is uh, 118.26 degrees east. No, west. I lied. West. Because he's in L.A.
1: He He doesn't live in Bulgaria. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. And L.A. is west of Greenwich. So... Go find him. There you go. Yep. So I'm going to say say that again. 34.07 North, 118.26 West. Uh, Get to Googling, everybody, and you can drop a pin right on his house. Dudes to the right for high five. Ladies to the left
1: for make out. It's
0: We'll go on Groundhog
1: Day. It'll be awesome.
0: (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Uh, So moving on, Nazis. It's time for Nazis. And Matt, I'm glad you joined us belatedly because I would feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Okay, I want to see the connection. I would feel uncomfortable talking about Nazis without a Jew on the call.
3: Oh, I thought you were going to refer to my membership of the Nazi party.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's going to tiptoe around that.
3: He's going to tiptoe.
0: Though Now that you've brought it up as a Jew, do you think that's I mean, do you think that's a conflict of interest?
3: Uh, I mean, you know, it's, I, I feel like the Nazis are—they are, have like a lot of, of public works programs that were overlooked at the time because of the whole genocide thing. But I mean, they did—they did, they did build some fine sewers that are still working great in Berlin.
0: So I, I heard someone—I I heard someone say once, and this, of course, has not been fact checked, but it, that if you look at Hitler's platform, you know, the platform that he ran on, and JFK's platform, they're remarkably similar. Which I think mm. does not, like, evince any...
3: It's, except for the whole, you know, let, let's round up all the Jews.
0: Well, didn't that come later? Wasn't that, like...
3: Isn't in, hey, in
0: uh. that kind of like the Iraq War? You know, that it was like, well, you elected me and now I'm, now I'm you know, invading Iraq?
2: That's how you define it. Except, <laughs> except invading well, no, Iraq
0: means, you know, rounding up a whole religion and, you know, slaughtering them en masse.
3: Refer, now, I don't think Hitler's they, they thought that Hitler was too warm and cuddly when they elected him, but it's not – I mean basically Nazis – I don't think there's any big um, mystery as to why they're such like a popular villain that like they're just so evil that you don't have to – first of all, you don't have to worry about offending anybody. You know that like if you depict like Arab terrorists like nowadays as two sort of like two-dimensional mustache twirlingly uh, burka burka Muhammad Jihad – uh, people will get people will get a little bit offended you know because they 're saying that you 're just you 're hate mongering you know you 're just you 're making them into cardboard cutouts, but nobody is like you know hey, you know the Nazis were more nuanced than that you know if you want to have these Nazis be uh machine gun fodder for indiana
0: jones right and you you sort of don 't care about current skinheads and racists and white supremacists like you 're happy not to have them come to your movie.
1: Well, it's not like they're going to be happy under any circumstances, so they fail to create any sort of credible threat. I mean, it's not like if I don't talk about Hitler in a bad way, that white supremacists are going to have, like, a good day. They tend to be pretty pissed off in general and, like, not in a very good mood. So, I mean, I, I, I feel this way sometimes about roommates, too. If it's, like, you are the kind of roommate who yells all the time, regardless of whether the refrigerator has been cleaned out or not, you're offering no incentive to clean out the refrigerator. So you just got to take it down a notch. Take it down. Grow some hair. Take it down a notch.
0: Well, that – so you're saying roommates are like Nazis? Uh,
1: Sometimes, especially when they make you throw out your vegetables after a week just because it smells terrible. I try to live my own life. Whatever. I do what I
0: want. My body. (laughs) I don't care. Uh, I'm 18. (laughs) I can move out. It's easy to see why they are – Villains in movies, but Shayna's point, and she was the one who wrote the post about this. No more Nazi movies. Uh, if you Google Nazi overthinking it, I'm sure you'll you'll get to it, or else, it's a fit. or else you'll get to our <laughs> sister site overthinking Sinking It, where they you know overthink white supremacy.
1: Don't go there. Don't go to that Register. site. Don't go there
0: now. Yeah,
1: their traffic. Karate Kid week. Their Karate Kid week was really
0: lame. <laughs> 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 yeah, they really did not. Uh, they really did not have a lot of nuance about Mr. Miyagi the way that we did. It, it yeah, you know,
3: karate was invented alpha. by the <laughs> Europeans.
0: It's stolen by
3: the Japanese.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like like the white guy who came up with all those uses for the peanut that George Washington Carver then stole from him. Uh, you know what I hate? White supremacists. I'm going to take a controversial position.
3: Are you sure that you want
0: – you can edit this out before you post it. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm comfortable going record – going on record as saying uh, I am anti-white against I am anti-white supremacist. And you know what? I'm going to put the whole site on the line. Overthinking it is anti-white supremacist. Right, fact, that, it, does that mean, does that mean that you, you hate offended white people?
3: Everyone.
2: <laughs> Are you basically saying that like you, you hate white people? <laughs> oh, so that, I'm all with that. <laughs>
3: It's it's not that like you don't think that white people are great. You just don't think that they're any more great than non white people.
0: Right, exactly. I, I think that people are all uh are all equally great <laughs> or equally bad uh across the or at least potentially Except for Nazis, right? Nazis. But you right? Hate Nazis yeah. because you were communist. Except for except for Nazis. Right. And and so I will re- repel uh I will repel Down the Nazis of the building with Robin and go into the window I will repel nope. <laughs> the Nazis on my western border you know uh oh, as they as... got it <laughs> so um well do we do we need them as villains then I mean, we I guess we need, need someone well no i i guess like historical movies i guess can be important in certain ways, and that's like, you know, I, I'm not sure I agree with Shana that the only uses of Nazis are all kind of cynical. You know, I think people can want to tell the story of
2: that time, right? One of the reasons why we are talking about Nazis in the first place, aside from the fact that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just so much fun to talk about Nazis.
1: Because it's
0: Christmas.
2: It's Christmas. It's <laughs> <is> Christmas, yeah. <laughs> is um, I, I went out and saw Valkyrie, the controversial Tom Cruise project.
0: Well, wait. What is controversial about it? Other than oh, there's it, all the plot because it's marriage.
2: <laughs> anyway, what there's um it's it's the backstory about how it's uh, over budget, behind schedule. Um, certain parts of the production stop cooperating with uh, with it because Tom Cruise is a Scientologist. Um, it's because Tom Cruise is crazy. There's all kinds of other reasons why the film is controversial. Um, but basically, it's the it's the story about the plot to assassinate Hitler. Uh, a, a cabal of German high officers who who plotted to assassinate Hitler in 1944. Spoiler alert: it failed. Um, and uh, I, I went out and saw it. Um, or did uh, it? Or did it? Um, but I went out to see it after Christmas Day, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but just it, it got me thinking. I wanted to overthink this with you guys um, about what Brother was, was mentioning there towards towards the end before I jumped in, which is: do we is the, is the story still compelling to tell? Um, as a filmmaker, when you're, when you're telling this kind of story about these German patriots, you know, is this – are they trying to make a statement of this, which is still relevant, which is that, you know, you've got to stand up to tyranny um, when you see it in your own country, especially evil Nazi tyranny.
0: Well, there's – I mean, I think making a movie about a time period, can you just do it without necessarily having, you know, having it be about advancing a cause – I mean, one of my favorite movies, and this is really one of my favorite movies, is
1: um, The Last of the Mohicans, the Daniel Day-Lewis Last of the Mohicans movie. And I have no great sympathy one way or the other for the Seven Years' War or, like, the French and Indian War, you know, or, like, the, the battles on the frontier, again, between the Huron and the Mohawk. You know, like, um, there's no—I don't I don't understand. I Honestly, I pretty much disagreed with Shana's post across the board, although I was amused by it. And I think that it's important to note that we're not a site primarily about disagreement but about amusement, um, and I thought it was a good post. But, I mean, I don't see any need to not make Nazi movies. You know, like, why – I mean, we can make cowboy movies. Why not stop making cowboy movies? Why not stop making movies about the mole people? You know, because the mole well, people bet are –
0: against those two.
1: You know what guess, Shana's against –
0: You know what Shana's against? Joy. She's against Joy. <laughs> and, She's like movies where people shoot each other with real guns. And you know who else was against Joy? Guns.
1: Hitler. That's true. That's true. So you're saying that Shana – is a Nazi, and well, that's why she doesn't want to make Nazi movies is here, because she doesn't want to draw attention
0: to herself. Here's the thing, and I think here's where Shana has a point, <laughs> though I don't – I'm not sure if the point is applicable to uh, – necessarily to all films, inc- especially some of the ones that you referenced, like Schindler's List maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, are you guys familiar with Godwin's Law? Oh, yes. yes. definitely. Yeah.
3: You better repeat it for the benefit of those who don't.
0: So it's named after Mike Godwin, who was general counsel for the Electronic Frontiers Foundation, which uh, defends people's – it's like the ACLU of online things. Uh, Or they're more proactive than the ACLU. I mean I guess the ACLU is really about defending the freedoms that we already have. Uh, but the EFF was out to like expand on and establish kind of online freedom in this new thing. Anyway, uh, neither here nor there. Godwin, he said that as the length of a conversation on a, on the internet, whether it's a message board or a chat or you know a forum post it or Usenet whatever.
1: Originally, it was like, it was on Usenet. Yeah, Usenet. Right? Yeah. yeah
0: but it's i mean i think it's generalizable to the larger internet as the length of a of a thread let's say as the length of a thread continues the probability uh of a comparison invoking hitler approaches 1 mm. so uh the longer it goes the more likely it becomes Uh, that someone's going to bring up the Nazis. I, you know, I noticed the same thing in college with any kind of discussion about ethics, which is the sort of thing you have a lot of when you're in college. Mm. uh, That, you know, someone was going to bring up Hitler all the time. And I think in that cynical way, as a sort of ad hominem way to vilify uh, your, you know, opposing debater. Yeah, I think it's cheap and you know, very often is an exercise in question-begging to steal yeah. another phrase from Penzel. It's
1: an, it's, an it's an appeal to anti-authority. <laughs> appeal to the authority you know, of There's a corollary
3: to Godwin's Law that you forgot. What? Yeah. Uh, the, the corollary, which, which is the part that I really like, is that whoever is the one to make that comparison to Hitler or Nazis automatically loses the argument by default.
0: I don't know I don't know that that's a corollary strictly speaking in in the geometric sense of you know it follows it follows what, what logically I, I think from the principle. When there's, like
3: a, when there's like a little bullet point underneath
1: the
0: main. No, you're thinking of you're thinking of a corollary. My point is that it doesn't necessarily totally logically follow from Godwin's law. Well, that's
1: what referred to broadly in like the lore and literature. I, I think it's it's not just Matt making this up. No, 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 um, it's, that, it's that, true. Yeah. It's
0: true. I'm not I'm not challenging Matt. I'm challenging the lore and literature that that is not actually a corollary. You can't like show me the totally logical steps because and you know why because it's. Uh, Because uh, it's like a subjective call in there. Well, right, because it's a normative claim. Uh, That is the the sort of assumption behind that corollary is that quote unquote that so called corollary is that people shouldn't make comparisons involving the Nazis. And uh, you know, I think you can't get to a normative claim from a non normative syllogism. <laughs> well it's not a it's anyway. not a syllogism it's a it's a uh, like a postulate you know or it's right, a right, right. um i guess it's a, a conjecture or a contention you know because it doesn't it doesn't admit to proof except anecdotally but
1: what Unless do you there's mean? some sort of a priori internet thread like exists in, independently of our experience of it and is governed solely by logic
0: <laughs> well, if it if it were governed solely by logic, it would not be an internet thread. Oh, touche. Can I See, that's wit. <laughs> um, can I make the observation that our uh comments, like our message boards or the comments on our posts seem to be remarkably free from trollism? I mean, we get it every mm. once in a while. I, the most egregious points of it, I like you know, uses of abusive language or something like this, or you know, things slurs of certain kinds that I just don't want associated, that I don't want under our banner. I do delete, but other than that, like you know, if someone calls us idiots, which happens from time to time, I leave that up, um, yeah. provided they don't you know use anti-gay slurs or something like that, or you know, I guess that's what you which get. They do quite often. Well, it, it it happened. I actually took one down today. But uh really? can can you sort of paraphrase it? Yeah, it was um well, it was a, a lot of the critical posts we get fall into the same category, which is why are you guys writing so much about this stupid stuff? Why don't you just enjoy it like everybody else? <laughs> except right. except just this one's that. except this one said um you know, why don't you guys enjoy it like everyone else, you fags. <gasps> you know, and you that's. To the earth, earth. Oh, no, I, I mean, I'm not. I I'm not directing that slur against anyone. So I'm not. I, I'm just reporting I I'm what just, was on the kidding. thing. So but I, del- I You know, I I deleted that because that's not. Look, it's it's our masthead collectively, and I just don't want certain kinds of things associated with it. But you know. It's only the most egregious forums that get that get moderated by me at the moment. So, you know, I think it's remarkable that we are such a civil and largely substantive place. Mm-hmm. It being the internet and all.
3: Does anyone recall anyone God winning one of our threads? You know, like in uh, the comments.
0: Uh, I will. I will have a look on Google and see. What were you going to say, Pete?
1: Oh, I was going to say that I think my favorite uh, inappropriate comment, and I'm only raising this because I have a strong suspicion that the person who made it isn't listening to this podcast right now, was uh, the guy who got really pissed when I wrote that post about um, Vato by Snoop Dogg, uh, because Snoop Dogg was wearing his gang colors on, like, the wrong side of town in the video. And he got, like, really, really hyped up, right? And he was talking about, like, how angry he was and how his gang was going to, like— yeah, you know, whenever he was going to go and kill a bunch of people or, like, rough up a bunch of people from the other gang who were in that neighborhood or something like that. Um, and didn't he posted that to our site, and I was like, man, this guy knows where to find his audience. Like, these are – the the right people are listening, and the right people are reading this, um, because God knows that we have a really strong, far reach in uh, the various, you know, you know rough side of L.A., like, East
2: L.A. communities and stuff. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I'm in a gang. I mean, it's what, what are I do on the weekends, you know? Well, it's the Asian Mafia, isn't it? Exactly, yeah.
1: I mean, are it's you the bleeding gang, or are you in the reserve? What's well, the, like the of the
0: Yakuza?
2: <laughs> do you guys yeah, have a Yakuza? You do like... <laughs> not, not quite to the, the Yakuza-type level. We, there, are, there are Korean, you know, I wouldn't quite call it Mafia, but, you know, crime organizations. You know
0: what, you know what strikes me most about the Yakuza is how efficient it is.
2: They also,
3: a good <laughs> and, and really they, good they know how to play the piano very well. I did mean, party. parties; like the, the piano is just going nonstop. Right,
0: absolutely. <laughs> Billy, but James. no one can no one can play piano better than the boss. You know, like no. if he sits down and plays chopsticks, then everyone else just has to play chopsticks, but worse than he do it. They have to, they have Why to like chopsticks. Why would it be chopsticks? What do you <laughs> <put> it? <laughs> I'm glad that that's the detail
2: you uh, <laughs> just, just, just seize on i should mention for the listeners who haven't tuned in i actually am of the asian persuasion so it makes it okay i guess for me to make jokes <laughs> like asians are good at math and can play piano um right exactly kind of like, okay. and by being your friends
0: it is by the transitive property of offensiveness okay for us
2: as well but is it okay for that. us to make fun of nazis and if none of us are nazis well, oh wait, blink is a Nazi,
3: We're going. Not- yeah. But but <laughs> even if I wasn't, I think anyone can make fun of not. We won. It's it's like the winners write the history books and also get to make fun of the losers, you know, without hmm. repercussion.
0: So Matt, like, um, how do your how do your cohort in the Nazi party feel about your Judaism?
3: I mean, you know, that that's a, that's something that I I, I would prefer if you kept a little hush hush. Oh, got it. Got it. You I, I, I that, like, you know, like, like, look, I'm sure that, like, you know, you and I don't agree on everything, but we agree on a lot, right? So that, you know, I think, I think that 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 we can agree, me and my fellow Nazis can agree that white people are better than not white people, even if we can't agree on like all the all the sub,
0: you know, <laughs> issues under that banner. Do you? I mean, like, you don't. <laughs> Do you, you know you, what I like, Do you take your payas and like uh, restyle them into a mullet or something when you go to rallies and whatnot? I can't even quite visualize that, <laughs> although it sounds like a great idea.
2: <laughs> oh man! Uh, but
1: yeah, so so Valkyrie, Matt, uh, Mark, is it a good movie?
2: I thought it was well done, in that okay. it creates an. It's by the guy who
3: wrote, was- wrote the Usual Suspects,
2: right? Yes, so I'm, I'm by assuming Bryan at Singer. the
3: end that, that Tom Cruise turns out to be Hitler.
2: <laughs> Spoiler alert. No, he doesn't. No. no. But it's, it's it's an excellent it's an excellent film. It it creates a, it conveys an, a, a great sense of suspense, as it really should. Um my main question that I'm and I'm that I'm trying to wrap my mind on here is that do we need to be told the story again? Like or 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 kind of more to the fundamental question is that is Brian Singer trying to make some point about patriotism. And you know, rising up against forces of evil and doing the right thing. Is
0: mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean, is it? Did it? Uh, you're the one who watched the movie. Did it feel like there were sections of it that were meant to be kind of generalizable? I mean, was what there a? There, was, but, but, uh, was there a lot of philosophizing about, like, you know, sometimes in the course of, you know, one's life, one comes up against an injustice so severe that one cannot help but uh, take arms against it, even if the evil comes from within your own country or from the
2: military leader to whom you've sworn your loyalty or something like that? I mean, is there that speech? It wasn't a whole lot of that. It's, it's glossed over pretty quickly, and that was actually the source of a lot of criticism. Yeah. The film. Um, but kind of like the i guess the reverse of godwin of the godwin theory is that um movies about nazism yeah stories about nazism will be inevitably reverse engineered and and people will attempt to apply those analogies to contemporary times right
1: but you can't make an actual historical nazi movie because we tie our criticism of ourselves so closely to that well is that
0: can't that though can't that be said uh, for any work of art, like, I, I'm just speaking for myself here. But when I saw the fifth element, you know, I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> help. But I couldn't help. Yeah, you but... didn't really feel like it was about cabbies in the future. Right, exactly. Around. I <laughs> felt it's like it was naked. really oh. about the time when uh, a near naked beautiful woman dropped onto the hood of my car. You yeah, know, but it's really about your experience. Right. I don't With know. I mean, Grizzly Man is pretty much about
1: bears, right? i thought i thought it was
3: supposed to be about like hairy gay guys though so
0: <laughs> i felt like i was a little bit lied to it depends <laughs> grizzly man on the internet is about that
3: you know mark i was curious um does the title refer to i'm assuming that's like the code name of the operation to kill hither
2: sort of the operation basically what happens is that i'm not getting away too much here there's nothing that you wouldn't be able to find on wikipedia on the actual Um, like spoiler alert I don't think they succeed
3: they didn't succeed
2: Um, the whole premise of their plot is that they're going to co-opt the reserve army um, to essentially round up all of the bad Nazis that they want to round up so that that they can uh, after Hitler is killed so that they can go in and and, and take control of the government that operation that reserve mobilization operation is called Valkyrie so they're co-opting that
1: operation was happening anyway right that operation the the plan was in in
2: place. place the plan was in place um anyway, so that if say the SS were to attempt a coup against Hitler, that they would institute Operation Valkyrie. Um no no no, no. So if, let's say that if, if a rogue general were in place to I'm not gonna get too much in the details here. Basically if, if that was that was the name of a plan that was already in place, so they went and co opted that plan um and that's that's where the title of the movie comes from.
0: So it's extremely cunning, right? That is, they're co-opting the title of the plan to protect Hitler from from assassination. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, to
2: make a plan that, that that also points to the incredible complexity of the plot itself, and that so many things had to go right. Aside from just killing Hitler, which they couldn't even get that done, right? So many things had to had to happen correctly in order for this to succeed.
0: Was Tom Cruise's
2: performance... I mean, just don't give away details, but w- did you think it was a good performance? I thought it was a good performance, but this is a whole other other, other topic. Um, but the, I don't know if you heard about this whole issue with the accents in this movie. No. Not, not very few characters speak with a German accent, as you um, typically hear in the movies about the Nazis. They yeah.
0: Which uh, doesn't make sense. I mean, that's something that we could definitely overthink, because that's like... That is not straightforward at all. Right. So what we know happening is that accents British, and British... I, mean, you know, I, I always
3: wonder why, like, you know, the Romans always spoke with an English accent.
0: Well, right, exactly. Why should, the, why should the Germans speak with the German accent? If they're German and like the movie takes place in Germany, they don't hear themselves as speaking with an accent. They hear themselves as speaking normal. So why should it not be the dialect of you know, wherever the movie is being produced so that you have the experience? Why do we need the alienating experience of an accent to, you know, to situate a – movie in the time and place doesn't the doesn't the um the little title card at the beginning that says you know berlin 1930s do that for you
2: it should and and i think that was actually the intent of the filmmakers that they just had british and irish and american actors speaking in their own accents to kind of naturalize the situation but the interesting effect that this did have though um, was that Tom Cruise speaks with an, an American accent. Most of the other conspirators speak with British accents. Uh-huh. And they're kind of dawdling along with their plan. They're very indecisive. They don't know really what to do. And then Tom Cruise steps in, wearing his jaunty eye patch, and with his American <laughs> accent says, okay, here's what you need to do, you know, you wallowing lily-lily-white blah-blah-blah Brits. Um, it has the effect that the American is coming in and telling the waffling Brits... What to do, how to So
0: so what the British are up in arms? Oh god, fuck them. They used to be a superpower. You lost your
2: empire. Get over it. <laughs> We're getting back to crossing the sections off the map again. Here. <laughs> I, don't
0: Actually, know. You- I shouldn't say I shouldn't say that. I'm a big fan. I, you know, I'm an Anglophile and Britishers are the British are like the second biggest country that's an audience for our site. Uh, which given
1: given what happened in World War One and World War Two, the Americans should not be going in there and say, Hey, Britain, what are you waiting for? You know, like, why aren't you getting in the mix?
2: Well, you do raise (laughs) raise an excellent point. I I think what I was referring to is that it it plays a little bit into some stereotypes we have about British culture versus American culture, which is
3: that, like, the Americans are closers
2: when you want to get get something
3: done. You know, the Americans need to join the war.
2: The cowboy coming in, right? The cavalry coming in to save the day with guns blazing. That's an
3: interesting. I, I have, had you read that anywhere, or was that your observation based on the
2: accents? That was, that was my observation. I wouldn't be surprised if other people have observed the same it, thing. It
3: is interesting that it's sort of like through the accents, they impose like a very traditional World War II movie narrative of like the British and the Americans working together against the Nazis, even though, in effect, you know, they're all Nazis in this movie. Right. But... You know, the
2: accents Some are good not Some are bad.
0: Do the bad uh, let me ask you this, Mark. Do the bad guys in general speak with
2: German accents? I think more the bad guys spoke with German accents thin than the good guys. Uh, Hitler, the, the actor Hitler himself has very few lines. Um, the actor who plays Hitler himself has very few lines, but what he, he does deliver them is a slight like German accent.
3: How, how was Hitler, by the way?
2: He's portrayed as not as like a railing madman. He's kind of tottering... Um, definitely kind of, you can see the insanity, um, but it's just a simmering, just kind of, you know, he's checked out essentially. It's, it just shows us one scene where it's the day after D-Day, you know, the, the, the Americans and the British have, have invaded, um, you know, the shit is going down and they, they're talking about this and Hitler's like, oh yeah, that thing. I'm crazy.
0: He doesn't get it. Does it so? It takes place at that point in the war. The whole movie is kind of it takes place at that point in the war, or does it telescope a little more? And it's a
2: it's a longer. It's it's pretty much all in the period um a few months in 1944. Huh. And, okay. Well, though the plot the, the plotting to kill Hitler had been going on for a while, um, but Tom Cruise's character enters the scene in, 19, in in early 1944, and the plot is executed in, in later 1944.
0: Yeah. There's a
1: great episode of Highlander the series about Operation Valkyrie, which is really, really awesome. Where 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 Duncan MacLeod plays a member. I think he's supposed to be a Scottish member of British intelligence who meets Nazi sympathizers in Ireland, and uh, he falls in love with one of them. And they flash back and forth to various sex scenes that they cut out of the American version. And it ends with and it, the episode ends with like a bomb of spoilers for a random episode of Highlander the series. By the way. Oh, and the bomb going off like in Hitler's bunker, and like Duncan MacLeod has survived, of course, because he's immortal. And then like Hitler like gets up from the rubble and starts like walking towards him, like screaming and pointing at him and talking about how he's invincible. And like Duncan MacLeod is just scared shitless and is unable to do anything. And like that's how they explain how Hitler survived Operation Valkyrie and intimidated the hell out of the Highlander. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was historically accurate especially the sword fights and the lightning storms. I gotta gotta say
3: that that the Highlanders got some balls to do that. Like, that's a crazy-ass scene.
1: It was one of the craziest scenes I've ever seen on television. The line is... The hand of God himself protects the Fuhrer, and that is what Hitler is screaming as he is, like, walking out of the rubble of his bunker. It's kind of one of the most pro-Nazi moments I've seen in, like, regular television, and it's kind of disturbing. I'm not very pro-Nazi. Well, that's –
0: okay. Here's – I mean, because, Pete, you're not very pro-Nazi. Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to mediate between you and Blinky then so that you don't have (laughs) any kind of – We don't get the 50-cups. Yeah. Yeah. Any kind of – Conflict, but you know one of I the reasons the that, guy, yeah. that Shana identifies that Nazis are used in movies a lot, or maybe this was in the comments, was that the uniforms look good, right? Like they are extremely cinematic. You know, Nazis yep. translate well. I, actually, any kind of fascism really translates well to film because it's about drawing people up in order, making order out of chaos. People standing in lines. And personality and stardom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. well right, exactly. Like at the but even at the level of like the masses, the way the masses are disposed under fascism is inherently
2: cinematic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that- and Brian it's- Singer, I should point out that Brian Singer uh, in a few scenes just takes pages straight out of Leonard Riefenstahl um in depicting uh the reserve troops lining up and getting ready to to roll.
1: So is this like <laughs> that famous French director who said that it was impossible to make an anti war movie? There's a French director who said that, right? Because the the medium of cinema always reflects war as like exciting.
2: That's, so, so,
0: That's you know, so I think the, that our a lot of our entertainments get away from us that way. The you know, the paradigmatic example being Shakespearean comedy, where yes, there's a spate of marriages at the end to like set everything right, but like the real action is in the woods where everyone's getting it on with everyone.
1: Okay, I lost you. Why are people having sex in the woods? (laughs) Because it's
0: a Shakespearean comedy. Right. And so, and people, so. And that's the, that's the real, that's the real enjoyable part. That's where the juice in the story is. And the, the spate of marriages at the end just, you know, makes it okay for the censors. In a way, like, you know, we like to dabble in these things. It's, it's, let's call it law and order SVU syndrome. You know, we, we really like to sort of enter imaginatively into that licentious oh. world of like uh you know I don't know in law and order svu it's all child molesters and you know semen stains places like can you find the uh can you find the semen what is that a joke from that is, yeah oh, that's a joke from that's a joke from super bad right where the cops were like uh, all I knew about about uh, being a cop, I learned from CSI, I thought there was semen on everything. And it would all go to a <laughs> magical semen lab where it was advertised. In every crime, there would be semen and we'd just swab it up. Um, no, that the, the, like, the pleasure in watching a show like that is actually that we are kind of psychically with the criminal and not with the cops. But we need, we need the cops or we need the marriages at the end or we need America to beat Germany uh so that we can sleep at night and so that we can like stand ourselves when we, you know, consider our morals. But uh that the real action and what we're what we're really in it for is like, you know, we want that cheerleader to get raped, or we want that, you know, guy dressed as a girl, dressed as a guy dressed as a girl to, you know, make out with a donkey, you know, or we want we want to like uh go go marching with Hitler a little bit.
3: Wow. I, 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 so you're I, saying, but, I mean, when I'm watching Law & Order, I'm definitely rooting for Jack McCoy. No? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, 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 He's so craggy. And he has that He has that thing where he kind of shakes a little when he talks. I really love him. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think that you can talk about um, – I think the difference
1: uh, – the main difference, I think, is that you, you hit the nail on the head a little bit with, with the pageantry of it and the appearance of it being intrinsically engaging. When you're talking about – I mean, the reason that – these governments pick the symbolism that they pick is because right. it has an intrinsic quality that gets people's attention. And so in that sense, you're able to use that vocabulary of symbolism, which has a certain power because it's been crafted by people whose job it is well, right. to be good at that sort of thing. And, and it's, it's successful. there's
0: so much dynamism, right? There's so much energy and vitality uh, and vigor yeah. in that I mean, but, e- even though it's bad, right? It's very energetic badness.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it, if it is tantamount. I don't know if
0: it's similar to the Midsummer
1: Night's Dream example in that we have a sort of actual intention versus a socially acceptable intention um, as much as perhaps like the, the sense of alarm and forbiddenness itself sort of heightens the energy of the scene. I would I would say I would say or Or maybe that there's
0: something maybe that there's something I, I do think like with the example of of like SVU, which for a couple of years at the beginning of its run was the most popular show on television until it was supplanted by, I think, CSI, which is more or less the same thing with slightly cooler graphics and more semen. Uh, and yet more semen though you thought it was impossible to get more semen than they have in uh in SVU I, I do think there that we have a you know we have a purported intention and an actual intention in in watching a show like that but um or criminal minds which is you know the torture porn genre made just palatable enough for primetime tv but what you're saying is that yeah. for the nazis it's more like when when we encounter all that dynamism uh Even even in spite of ourselves, we can't help but be drawn into it or riled up by it a little bit.
1: I I mean, I would point to the response there primarily as one of like of excitement. But I want to take away some of the endorsement of it, because I think and not just for political correct reasons. I mean, I think that like it's you can you're sort of you're you're agitating somebody to like a state of. You know, like maybe a slightly faster heart rate or more sort of mental engagement with what's going on, but it's these things in themselves aren't. You know, we're not necessarily always doing the do when we're when we're watching TV. Like, we're not always endorsing the thing that is most exciting. You know, like like my my favorite Nazi scene in movies is the one in The Last Crusade where Indiana Jones goes to Berlin and, like, you see the huge Nazi parade and he has to, like, sneak into the Nazi parade and try to get his... Um, or he's trying to get his, his uh, dad's diary out of, out of Berlin. Right. And there's this, this, this sense of, like, the scope of it and the size of it and, like, the, the, the force of the symbolism and the force of the... And actually, Hitler appears at that point, too. And whereas I find the appearance of all this pageantry exciting and, and it certainly, like, it, it makes an impression... I don't think that the extent to which it excites me rises from a place that it is at all similar to a sort of forbidden desire to be part of it or endorse it or be around it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there's a sense of where it, it hits us where we live um, in terms of what we respond to despite ourselves. But I don't think it's the same case with sexuality, which is much more complicated where you've got the situation where we have our, our, our sort of urges versus our behaviors and, And I don't necessarily think that we would want to become Nazis just because at any given moment that, like, you know, okay, you know, a guy walks down the street carrying a Nazi flag, you don't automatically start following him. But if a girl walks past you on the street is attractive, you might, you're going to be likely to turn around and and take a look. You know what I
0: mean? It'll draw your eye. Sexuality is more
1: normative than fascism. I would say there was more of an ought involved in, in sex represented on screen than there is in, like political violence and, and political ac- exhibition as demonstrated in movies.
0: Well, that's a, that's a um, good, but not, I mean, not with, not with violence. The I, I mean, the idea that you can't make an anti-war movie because the camera just loves violence is, you know, I think that's a suggestive one. Uh, Jean-Luc Godard said that all you need to make a movie is a girl and a gun. <laughs> and, you know, if that, Right, you know, if you have those two things, you have the ingredients for a, a successful movie and actually, you know that's in that movie. Sorry? That's in that movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, me too. It, I, and then then you to guys, have literally
3: literally, literally and nothing else. Listen. It it would be like it would be like she's like in sort of like a white formless, you know, ether.
0: <laughs> right, but she has a gun.
2: Or the you gun, mean, I mean are the gun space really, space really
0: space. the gun is always chasing the girl. You know, with all the the myriad implications of that scenario. Hey, by the way, uh, we don't. Godwin's law has never come to fruition on overthinking it. Wow, which so, is funny because I, I think yeah, almost yeah. any pop
3: culture thread could be Godwin. You could be just like, oh, you know, people who people who are come out against Twilight are just like Nazis stomping on you know whatever. <laughs> Well, i mean, a, I, would, I could make that argument without trying to hard. this is
0: something like no no one listening knows this, but i I sent out a like a new year email talking about the site a little bit to some of the writers on it, and one of the things I said was that we are a uh we're a pop culture enthusiast site, but we're not a fanboy site, you know, so we wouldn't get rabid we're a little more wry than that I guess in our voice like we wouldn't get rabid about Twilight or anything about Batman about. Nazis about anything. We're not about to get you know really, really taken with our appreciation for something. Except, Except uh, for Yu Yu Hakusho. Yu Yu show. We're all crazy about Well, I was about to say maybe Al two podcasts ago with the Karate Kid. Yeah. Or, yeah, or yeah. just
1: Los Angeles in general.
0: <laughs> with the community of the, the the number of communities in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I mean, we individually get excited about things, but that's not the reason that we write on the site.
0: No, no. Yeah. We write on the site to entertain you. We also do yeah. the podcast to entertain you. Are you not me, entertained? <laughs> Are you not entertained? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's you – know, um. hey, uh, briefly, just very briefly, anyone Anyone have a good story from the holidays?
1: Oh, I, want yes, to, I have a good I want story from the holidays. I have a good story from the holidays. Okay, let's um, go. Let's sister, go Frenzel first, sister. then, Mark. Okay. My sister did a great thing, which I thought was very funny, which is that it's the kind of thing where I feel like I've always often thought of doing it, but I've never actually done it, which is um, she got every member of our family the same gift. She got all of us copies of Kung Fu Panda because she loves Kung Fu Panda that much, and she thinks it's really, really wonderful and that everybody should see it. So, you know, I I do the thing with the family where I have Christmas Eve with my dad and Christmas with my mom. And so Christmas Eve, my dad opens his present from Megan, and it's, it's Kung Fu Panda. And then on Christmas Day, I opened my present from Megan, and it's Kung Fu Panda. And I sort of realized the scope of what happened. I <laughs> like, Kung Fu Panda was going to enter all of our lives. <laughs> and, and I just laughed. I just how? laughed that loud. Cause I, I don't know. I guess, I guess it, I've guess i heard it's good. Um, but uh, I felt like that was a fun little
0: cultural moment. How How old is she? Megan? She's yeah. 24. Twenty four, so she's a she's 23. like three, I'm sorry, she's not 24 yet. Her birthday is in twenty-three, so she's like a Jack Black fan or something? She really I mean, I think she specifically likes Kung Fu Panda. She's not a fangirl,
1: she's not particularly super enthusiastic about movies or media in general. Like she you know, has a masters in French and she studies international relations and she, you know, she's in DC. Um so but this movie in particular she saw in really, really life.
0: So she's a so- sophisticated intellectual person, but she just yeah. loved Kung Fu Panda.
1: She loved the ever loving hell out of Kung Fu Panda and wanted to share it with everybody
3: that she knew. In, you know, I, haven't, I haven't, seen it, but in her defense, I did actually read a bunch of reviews from from you know grown ups where they said that it was actually really charming and yeah, a superlative yeah. animated film. So that she's not necessarily like you know we, we don't need to roll our, our eyes at that. No, I don't think no,
0: I don't think so. I mean, I, it would be one thing. If if she were a lot younger and she just was taken with the movie uh, because, you know, it jazzed or something like that. But this is something I think ha- that happens with really smart people. Uh, and it's geekiness. Right. Where like one thing just really speaks to you for some reason. And you're drawn to get like way, way, way the hell into it. Uh, mm. And then you want everyone else to be into it, too. Yeah, that's how I feel about my
3: Xbox right now.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, I I, I think uh, probably a lot of people – see, the tragedy of the geek is that you can't – I once one Christmas I spent like half an hour explaining to my stepmother about different aspect ratios in movies and the history of film stock and the history of uh, you know widescreen versus the academy ratio, which is what our our standard deaf televisions were, versus sixteen by nine versus uh, you know, uh, 1.67 by 1 versus uh, 2.35 versus 2.85 and things like this. And, um, you know, I think she was really mad at me after I wasted <laughs> half an hour of her life talking to her about, uh, about this stuff. Um, but it was just, I was geeking out on it. And, I, you know, I wanted to, like, communicate it to another person. And the tragedy of the geek is that... Uh, which I think may become the title of this episode of the podcast is that you know that you get way into stuff, but it's kind of lonely
2: being way into stuff.
0: Hey, Mark, what's your story?
2: Sure, I, I went to Colorado to visit my sister, and I had the fortune, great fortune, to go skiing one day. And on my last run, I decided I was going to go for broke, um, but I didn't quite anticipate going for broke in that I, I found myself at the top of a uh, of a slope of ungroomed moguls. And for those of you who aren't familiar with skiing, that's basically a lot of little hills, which makes it incredibly difficult to ski over.
0: Hills made of film executives?
2: <laughs> film executives, exactly. Um, and so, I, I am, my heart is pun, pounding. I'm wondering, how the hell am I going to get uh, down Yeah, no, that is a pun, because it's punning on two senses of the word mogul. Cool.
3: Alright, continue.
2: I'm looking at this uh, steep set of moguls on uh, Ungroom Snow, thinking, how the hell am I going to get down this? And this is, should be assigned to you, how... Uh, Much the the newest Batman movies have impacted me but who did I see in my imagination speaking to me but the Liam Neeson character from Batman Begins, Ra's al Ghul Um, I was thinking of uh, Batman's ninja training out in the mountains in the ice (laughs) and the snow where he tells Bruce Wayne to confront his fear so up there on the mountain with the moguls was Liam Neeson telling me release your fear which I did and I slowly got down the moguls. And afterwards, I kept telling my sister that Ra's al Ghul spoke to me <laughs> on, the, on the, the mountain. And that was the tragedy of the geek as well. And she had no idea so, what the hell I was talking so about. So, Mark, have
3: you have you finally learned to mind your surroundings, Mark?
2: <laughs> no, because, well, maybe next time if I go up, I will mind my surroundings and not get myself in that same situation. <laughs> I mean,
1: I guess that explains your Facebook status. I was a little bit puzzled.
2: Yes, Which that's what right. it was. Again, again, the tragedy of the geek. Uh, yeah. I, I, I i was so stoked about this that I, I i twittered in fact um from the car that Ross Alkool came to me to the mountain and and i
0: was <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> <sighs> anything good matt happened to you
3: no i mean i I've, I've just been uh playing uh alternating between grand theft auto and Left 4 Dead, which is amazing. Let, Left 4 Dead is a first-person shooter, but I think, I think I might finally write about this. I finally figured out what makes it so satisfying is that, like, you know, the, the, I think the, the the basic unit of satisfaction of a first-person shooter is you kill something. And so what Left 4 Dead has done is made that extremely easy because your enemies, A, have no weapons, B, sort of stagger around randomly, like bumping into walls and things a lot of the time and don't even notice you're in the room with it. You know, and you could rock right up and shoot them in the head. So it's really easy. to, And, and, and they take, like, one shot. So it's really there, easy to zombies.
2: kill zombies. Yeah, it's zombies. Make sure right,
3: right. I'm out. sorry. It's a, it's a zombie killing game. And it's really easy to kill them but then they, they, they make up for this they make it more difficult by throwing a tremendous amount of zombies at you and I mean I, I read an article online about how they actually you know had to do some clever programming to, to have more like you know on screen characters than in, in any other game so we're talking about like you know 50 zombies might be rushing you at once from all different sides and you know each one individually is is easy to kill so it's overall the game is really satisfying just because like there's a lot of just blowing zombies away every, every which way but it still manages to be difficult just by sheer force of numbers so
0: this is i mean this is kind of on point with what we were talking about before like the you know the the pleasure of a video game is that you get to kill someone and you get to right. indulge in that you know in that sort of aggression without actually like going to jail for it
3: you've right, got exactly. a real dark I mean,
0: side man you've got a real dark side have you never seen toys i've seen toys definitely I mean that's it's the toy. It's the point of toys, right? Like, yeah, how yeah, many yeah. points do you get for killing a person? A thousand. <laughs> Anyone know? I was quoting from Toy... Ne, never mind. I just uh, got yellow cool Day movies. and now I have change of color. Here's my here's my holiday story. The um, the uh, and it has nothing to do with popular culture. We had a house guest at one of the Christmas parties that I was at. That um. Uh, was extremely stupid and, like, poured a whole half gallon of milk into a pot of mashed potatoes so that they became, like, mashed potato soup. Uh, And then decided to compensate for this by turning up the heat way the hell to high so that it became this molten pot of mashed potatoes that would bubble up, but it wouldn't just bubble in the pot, it would bubble and send an eruption, a lava-like scalding eruption of white mashed potato soup like five feet into the the air and they got you know they got all over my clothes until I like an American in you know a British movie stepped in and took command of the situation (laughs) and said that there would be no mashed potatoes at Christmas dinner
3: yeah that'll get you kicked off of Top Chef no question
0: (laughs) thank you for bringing it home to the pop culture (laughs) to the pop culture point Uh, well I'm not going to be happy with that one yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you very much to the panel. Thank you to, let's see, let's do this in alphabetical order, Mr. Belinky. Yeah, sorry I was late, guys. No problem. It's really good to have you. Uh, thank you to Mr. Fenzel. I'm going to smoke my victory cigar. It's a fat lady singing. <laughs> wow. That's a that's what we in the business call a callback.
1: <laughs> you know
0: what says in the movie? <laughs> No, it's uh, oh Pete started with something from uh, from Independence <laughs>
2: Day. Yeah, I yeah,
3: know, I know, I know.
2: And um, and thank you, Mr. Lee. To close the subject, of the Nazis say what you will about the tenets of National Socialism. At least it's an ethos. At least it's an ethos.
0: <laughs> You'll find our ethos on the web at www.overthinkingit.com. The site that subjects the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably doesn't deserve.
3: I think talking about puns is actually just as soul draining as real puns.
1: I mean, I think we might have come off as a little more pro-Nazi than I'm comfortable with. But I guess (laughs) it's (laughs) good